Welcome to the Program Yourself Thin Podcast with your host, Jim Katsoulis. I'm gonna show you how to master your weight once and for all. Start using powerful mindset-focused strategies to lose weight and live in the body of your dreams. Tune in each week for new episodes. Hey, this is Jim Katsoulis with the Program Yourself Thin Podcast. And today we're gonna talk about how to deal with stress because there's one thing's for sure. Um, on this weight loss journey of yours, you're gonna have some times in life when there's a lot of stress. Okay, and so we want to have some strategies um, at the ready to be able to deal with those. So I want to start with a quote from William James that says, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. And this really gets to the, the core of how, really kind of how I approach life, but, but certainly times of stress, because we may not be able to affect the stressful situation. You know, sometimes things just happen. So we can't change the external reality, but we can absolutely influence how we respond to it. And the best way to do that is, again, to influence how we're thinking. And that's what we're going to talk a lot about here. So the first thing that I want to remind you of, and I always like to remind people of this, is that a lot of times when we think about weight loss, we think of it in short-term time frames, okay? And so um, a lot of times when people start a weight loss plan, it's kind of like this idea, okay, tomorrow's Monday and I'm just going to you know, do great until I reach my goal. But when you think about it, a lot of times when people start a plan, things are pretty neutral, Right? We, we don't typically start a weight loss plan and, you know, when everything is going to hell in our lives. You know? um, so usually things are okay. But as we start extending the time frame um, from not just weight loss but really weight mastery because, of course, you don't just want to lose the weight. You want to keep it off for good. Um, it is guaranteed that there are going to be periods of time, situations that are stressful. You know, it's unavoidable being a human, living a life. And so, again, we want to have some strategies in place and some ways to look at this that support us during those times ahead of time as well, okay? We don't want to just get in those situations and then try and think of them because we won't have the energy to do that. So again, we want to prepare ourselves for that. So I'm going to say something, you may not like this, but I believe that weight loss in peak level of health can't always be the main focus. You know, like, like again, when everything's cool in life, it can be, but sometimes life goes bonkers and we have to focus on those areas and we don't have the energy or the focus to do both things at once. And that's completely normal and okay. So again, I'm, I'm telling you this, I'm kind of giving you permission for it. Because again, I know my clients, they always appreciate hearing this when they're in really tough areas because they, they put all this pressure on themselves. And so again, this is where I go, I, I like the phrase all or something, right? You really want to get a mindset of all or something um, as opposed to all or nothing. Because that's what ends up happening to a lot of people is they're all, when everything's going fine, but then all of a sudden something happens and now they're nothing, okay? And so we want to get to the position where we're all or something, and so even when life is going bonkers, we're still doing some things, and we will talk about what those are in a moment. Um, another concept is the idea of excuses versus reasons. And this is, really, this is really important to me, and again, this is directly because of the experiences I've had working with so many clients, that there are some people I work with, and I tend to attract a lot of perfectionist-type people, um, but it's like no matter what is going on in their life, death of a, a parent, death of a loved one, um, losing a job. <laughs> I mean, it could be literally the most, the hardest things in life to deal with. And they're beating themselves up because they're not eating well during that. Okay. So I think it's important to make a distinction between excuses and reasons. And I think sometimes life gives us reasons, right? So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, because again, all stresses aren't bad, by the way, you know, a lot of them are, but, but some of them are good. So I remember when I had my son, and at the same time we had my son, we had also moved into a house that we redid the entire house. And so 
my son took a lot of extra energy as well. He was just a, a kid that took a bit more energy, but I was wiped out and I ended up putting 20 pounds on, okay, during that time. Now I could look at it and say, oh, I'm just using that as an excuse. And then what that does is it makes me feel bad about myself. But I always looked at it as a reason. I wasn't thrilled with it, but to be honest, I wasn't even paying attention to it because I was just kind of caught up. I was kind of in survival mode. And again, I was happy. It was fun living in a new house. It was fun doing it over. It was fun having a baby and everything. It was all fun stuff, but we only have so much energy. And so I was using up so much energy that my, my eating slid a little bit for, for a number of reasons. But what I'm trying to say is that that to me was a reason. It was a reason. And um, I think it's helpful to make the distinction between excuses and reasons simply because of the way that we perceive them. And excuses, a lot of times, is just another way to beat ourselves up. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's excuses, okay? You know, and if you've been saying the, well, I don't have time to, you know, plan out my meals. I don't have time to, you know, do any exercising. I don't have time to drink my water. If Those become excuses. But when all of a sudden this crazy thing can happen to you in your life, you know, someone dies, you lose a job, you move, big things those are legitimate reasons. And if you pull back a little bit on your weight and your health for a short period of time, that is okay. You can do it. The secret is you don't want to pull back all the way. Okay. So um, to, to that point, when you get in these stressful situations, if you can get your mind off of just losing weight, because what happens is people get into stressful situations and now they say, well, now I'm not losing weight. So now I don't want to think about it. Again, it's that all or nothing mindset, which is so pervasive. When we get into times of stress, what we really want to focus on is our self-care, okay? Because what times of stress do is they deplete us, right? They deplete, they take our energy, they take our mental focus, right? They take all our thoughts, you know, and so they deplete us. And so when we get into periods of stress, what we want to do is we want to get ourselves back to neutral. We want to get ourselves back to normal. And the way to do that, again, is a lot of times through self-care strategies, and we will talk about those. But again, it's not a bad thing. It's not wrong. The secret to this working is you have to have a longer time frame, you know? So if you, if you extend your time frame, then having, you know, being off track a little bit for a couple months is okay. You know, as long as you're doing some things and you still kind of have like one foot in the wagon, all right? Um, but again, we want to deal with self-care in those, those situations. Now, the next thing is that I believe, it's my opinion, that the number one skill for mastering your weight, mastering it, not just losing it, but mastering it long-term for the rest of your life is the ability to get back on track. And I think this is directly opposed to the unconscious idea that a lot of people have that the secret to losing weight is to be perfect with your eating and or your exercising. And I think that's a very harmful belief simply because again, if you extend the timeline long enough, if you stop thinking in terms of days, weeks, and months with your weight loss and start thinking in terms of months, years, and decades, there's no way you're gonna be perfect that whole time. It's literally impossible. Okay, so we know we're going to make mistakes, and what our focus is on is how can we get back on track quickly? That is the number one skill I've seen over and over and over and over again. And um, there's a saying, you know, in politics, they say it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to our weight, where it's not the binge, it's what we do after that. And so that binge can be, you know, after the, we, we have a binge or we make the wrong food choice, we can say, oh, my God, I blew it. I was doing so good, and now I screwed up, and ah, forget it. Or it can be, oh man, what happened there? You know, I don't, I don't know why that, what happened there, but I'm going to back on track, you know, as quick as I can here. Let me, you know, implement some of my strategies I used. That's the path that's going to bring you better results without question. Because if you're thinking you need to be perfect, you're setting, you're just setting yourself up for failure. It's very, very difficult, if not impossible. So again, what I want you to focus on is getting back on track. 
That's what you want to master. That's what's going to serve you better. And again, in order to do that, persistence is crucial, right? So, so again, it's really about being persistent and um, just the ability to be able to kind of keep every day just one foot in front of the other. You know, it's kind of that, that, that mentality. And it doesn't have to be the biggest steps. You know, again, we, we unconsciously, a lot of times we associate with weight loss, just drastic changes all at once, perfection until I reach my goal. And um, what I'm trying to do is get you to think past just reaching your goal and think long-term, forever living at your goal weight. And in order to do that, again, it's a learning process that requires persistence, just like any other learning process, learning a musical instrument, learning a language, going to college to get a degree. All of these things take persistence. They're challenging, okay? And this is no different the way I think about it. Uh, So let's talk about, before we get into specific strategies to deal with stress, I want to just talk about mindset. And there's two types of mindset that I think of all the time, and I think it's really, really helpful to understand this concept, especially when there's stressful situations, because we can, in the mindsets I'm referring to are problem-oriented, a problem-oriented mindset, problem-oriented thinking versus solution-oriented mindset or solution-oriented thinking. And we tend by nature, again, the way our brains are, are set up, we tend to focus more on the negative anyways. Okay, so we've, we've literally evolved. There was a survival benefit to focusing on the negative, to thinking negatively, okay? Um, but it does not serve us well now, okay? And so we want to be careful of problem-oriented thinking because when we get into stressful situations, it just magnifies that potential, okay? So this is really just an all-the-time thing, problem-oriented versus solution-oriented. But when you get into a stressful situation, again, like I said, it's just magnified. So problem-oriented thinking really is when the problem is the central focus, and the example I like to use is like, like a solar system, right, where the sun is the center of all of it. And it's, the, it's providing the gravity that's keeping all the planets rotating around it, right, or revolving around it. And so um, when we're problem-oriented thinking, the problem is the central focus. And all of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors kind of revolve around those problems, right? And it becomes a, a big, big problem in and of itself um, because energy flows where attention goes, right? And so as the problem becomes the core of how we're thinking about something, we're actually giving it more energy, right? It's kind of like we're giving the sun more mass and and causing it to have more gravity or making it more magnetized. So it attracts even more of our thoughts. And um, one of the reasons it's so insidious is because we're logically trying to figure it out, right? But it doesn't work because your unconscious mind does not understand negatives, right? So for example, if I say to you, don't, don't think, right? So I'm going to tell you not to, don't think about a banana. Don't think about a banana. What do you think of, right? You think about the banana. So a lot of times when we're thinking about the problem, we think we're doing good work trying to figure it out. But in reality, we're constantly focusing ourselves on the problem, right? And so we got to be careful of this. And um, one of the ways this shows up is rumination, which is basically the act of rehashing your problems over and over and over again. And here's the thing, it's seductive because the mind thinks if you mull it over long enough, you'll have this cognitive breakthrough and then it'll all be fixed. So again, one of the things I've noticed over the years is, and and I'm like this myself, so I am and have been a big ruminator and and I've worked on changing this um, and it's changed a lot of my results, but I attract a lot of people that come into the program yourself, thin universe, that are, think a lot, right? They're just up in their head thinking a lot. And what happens is a lot of times we can be thinking about the problems. And again, it is so, it's so seductive. It's so addictive to think if we keep thinking about it, that we're finally gonna have this breakthrough. Um, But let me ask you, if you're like that, 
if there's something, and your weight is a perfect example, because a lot of people I know that end up working with, they're obsessed with their weight. They think about it constantly, and yet they're not getting the results they want. So you think to yourself, if you're like this, if you ruminate on a certain challenge you have, especially your weight, for a long time, have you had a breakthrough? <laughs> Again, when you look at it, like, no, I haven't. I haven't gotten the result I want. That's how you know. You know, have you gotten the result you want? Think about all the time and energy you think about it. And if you haven't gotten the result you want, this is a big reason why. Because you think you're going to logic your way out of it, and you're not. It, it's, a, it's an illusion. And um, it's a seductive one, and it's a tricky one. Okay. So, um, you know, again, and why is this? Because speaking of whys, um, one way to kind of check when you're doing this is to notice when you're using the word why. So I always say like, watch out for why. And what that means is a lot of times when you're using the why word in the beginning of a question, you're focusing on the problem. So it could be, why can't I lose weight? Why do I have so much trouble eating well? Why can't I eat better? Why can't I cut my calories? Why can't I get myself to exercise? You see? So these are all problem-oriented questions. And what they do that's so sneaky is every time you're asking one of those, unconsciously, you're imagining yourself being overweight or unable to control your eating or addicted to sweets or unable to exercise. And so, again, logically, it makes sense. You kind of feel like you're figuring it out. But unconsciously, what you're doing is you're thinking about yourself out of control, each one of those questions. Okay? So you've got to watch out for the whys. Because again, they, they're seductive and they make us feel like we're making headway, we're, we're getting somewhere, but you've got to just take a step back and look. Have you gotten anywhere with your weight with all of that thinking on it, with all that obsession on it? Have you gotten anywhere with it? You know, and if the answer is no, um, I hope that, that starts to <laughs> get you to realize that the problem-oriented thinking does not work. It doesn't work. Um, so what does work? Solution-oriented thinking. And so this is when we're thinking about solutions. And so how do we get to a place where we can think about solutions? What I suggest is you start with your state, okay? Because when we're thinking about problems, a lot of times we're, we get ourselves into a negative state. And um, your state at any moment in time is your physiology and your psychology, your body and your brain. And so anytime we wanna change our state, the first thing we wanna do is we wanna change our body. Because a lot of times, you know, we can get ourselves depressed, we can get ourselves frustrated, and there's a lot of tension there, you know, and especially we're talking about stressful times when things are stressful and we're focused on problems, you can very quickly, you know, if you check your body, you might find you're tense, your muscles are tight. If your muscles are tight, your breathing's shallow, right? And so the, the, the tense muscles use up energy. The lack of oxygen doesn't allow you to bring more energy in your body. So right off the bat, you're kind of setting your body up to be in this negative, unresourceful place. And so when you want to get into a solution-oriented thinking mode, the first thing I do is change your body up kind of loosen it up, um, you know, relax the muscles, take a deeper breath, just get yourself into a better place. Um, the next thing you want to do, you know, we're getting to the specific questions to ask, but is you want to be genuine and sincere. I, I noticed one of the biggest obstacles to solution-oriented thinking is that sarcastic voice we all have. And it's kind of like, you know, it's easier to ask, oh, why can't I lose the weight? We love that. A, we've, we've asked it so many times, we, we can do it on autopilot. Um, but it, we're so used to asking that. So to all of a sudden ask, how can I lose weight easily and naturally? There's that little voice, oh yeah, right, right. You can't lose it easy and naturally. If you could, you would have already done it. You know, So the, the first step to being solution-oriented is to be genuine and sincere, to believe that there is a solution you know, to, to the problem that you have. Um, and the questions really become, revolve around, what can, you do to make, what can you do to make the situation better? And so when we're talking about stressful situations in life, 
this is so important because a lot of times we tend to just react to them. Something externally happens is stressful, you know, and we just react automatically to it. But we do have the ability to change how we respond. And it starts by thinking differently. You're just writing a quote from the beginning. And so we can have the same stressful situation, but we can ask, what can I do to make the situation a little better for me? How can I relax a little bit more in this situation? How can I be a little bit healthier in this situation? And so when you ask these types of questions, they tend to focus your mind in a different way. They start focusing on the solutions. And so the real, a real kind of shortcut trick you can remember is that the how questions, how, typically will get you closer to the solution than why questions. Okay, so, so whys are kind of trying to understand something that already happened and it is what it is. And so again, unconsciously, we kind of have a fixed idea of ourselves. How questions kind of open us up to more possibilities, right? So um, let's talk about, get back to specifically responding to stress. Um, the first thing, again, I don't want to reinforce this, is that our emotions are not pure reactions to the world, okay? This is so important to understand. This is kind of a, an underpinning belief you, you have to have in order for any of this to work. Um, your reactions really are your own fabricated constructions, right? And so what this means, another way to put this is, there's external reality, and then there's an interpretation phase, and then there is our response to it, okay? So no matter what situation is, and how do I know this? The, the guy that I always re reference back to when I talk about this is Viktor Frankl, right? He's a Jewish psychiatrist in Nazi Germany, and his whole family was put into concentration camps. And so that, that's got to be one of the worst experiences a person can have, and even in that situation, he made it a point to influence his mindset um, and to control his state to a certain degree. Now, again, it wasn't ideal. He wasn't happy to be there, but he was able, and he said this, you know, they, they could take everything away from him, but they couldn't take away what he focused on. They couldn't take away, they couldn't influence his, his happiness, his joy, his, his sense of appreciation. They couldn't take that from him. And so again, it just illustrates the point that no matter what's going on, we do have the ability to influence it somewhat, or at least our responses to it, okay? Um, and so to, to boil this down a little bit, when there is a stress in life, we have two response options. And this came out of a book called Telomeres. And what they did is they were studying people um, in the most stressful occupation they could find. And what they found that to be is caregivers. Um, and some, some of these people were professional caregivers, and some of them were take caregiving for a family member. But they found that there was kind of two groups of them, one that was doing handling it pretty well, and the other group was having a real hard time with it. And what they found is that it really correlated to how they responded to the stress of caregiving. And so the unhealthy group, they found, responded to the situation with a threat response. And so a threat response is kind of our old evolutionary fight, flight, or freeze response um, that, that we've evolved to have. And this response, in addition to lots of kind of negative benefits, one of the big ones is it causes blood vessels to constrict when we do this, less blood to the brain, okay? So what happens is, again, out in nature, this was an okay response because it was rarely triggered, okay, out in nature. Today, again, we're get, we actually have the threat response much more because we're constantly getting triggered much more. Um, even though we're not in life or death situations, our, our brain can't tell the difference. But so when we get into stressful situations, if we... Um, respond to it with a threat response, again, we're thinking less clearly. Our body gets tense. We're, we're releasing unhelpful, unhelpful um, hormones into our body, okay? It's not helpful. Um, the other response, the, the response they found from the group that was healthier was a challenge response. And so again, the exact same situations they were in, what was different is how they responded to it, 
And so the challenge response is responding with a feeling of excitement or energy, right? And so the, the specific phrase they use is kind of like this, bring it on. Let, let, let's do it. Let's, let's get through this. Let's make it work. And so again, there's, there's two completely different focuses with each of these groups and these responses. So regardless of what happens to you, if you can, and, and again, you may become problem-oriented initially, and that's fine. Um, but when you recognize you're feeling frustrated, irritated, depressed, sad, whatever kind of negative, unresourceful emotion state you don't want, that's when you start to ask, am I being problem-oriented or am I being solution-oriented? I can almost guarantee you that it's almost always gonna be problem-oriented. And so now you have the ability to say, well, how can I make this process better? What can I do to make this a little bit better? And then again, you can bring it to the, the challenge response. Well, let's do this. Okay, I'm up for the challenge. What can I do to meet this challenge? How do I want to approach it? How do I want to get through this? Who do I want to be in this situation? You see, but all of these are, because we do have the ability to influence how we respond to them. Okay, so, so th that's a very helpful um, strategy. So a couple other things. One is resilient thinking. And this is basically, it's based on acceptance and mindfulness. Okay, rather than changing your thoughts, you change your relationship to them. Okay, so again, we were talking about how to choose the thoughts that you have. Um, but sometimes negative thoughts are just going to come up. Okay, that's normal, the natural, especially when we're in stressed out states, right? When we're, we're more depleted, we tend to have more negative thoughts. And so what this is saying is that we can have negative thoughts, but we don't have to react to even those. Okay, so again, what we've been talking about to here is we, ideally, we'd like to be able to change our thoughts. But sometimes we, we can't do that all the time. And so the second strategy is we can change how we respond to the thoughts. So we can have these negative thoughts, but we don't have to allow our body to react to them. Okay, and so what that means is we can really kind of become present. We can become mindful. We relax our bodies, relax the shoulders, relax the jaw and the face and the stomach. You know, just relaxing, it feels better. Start breathing more. Bring yourself into the present moment. You know, quiet your mind down as much as you can, you know. And so, again, what you're doing is the thought may still run through your head, but you're not physically responding to it as strongly, okay? So that's another strategy that you can use, uh, another one is self-compassion. And as I was saying, you know, I, I, I seem to attract a lot of perfectionists and self-compassion is not something they're very perfect at. Uh, it's usually the opposite, right? And so again, this goes back to the idea of excuses versus reasons. It's okay to accept and acknowledge that what you're in is a stressful, challenging situation and to have some compassion for it. And, you know, one way I always help people tap into this is, you know, if you had one of your best friends or someone you love was in the same situation you were in, right? When you're in a stressful situation, if you had someone you loved in the same situation, how would you talk to them? And chances are that you would be so much more compassionate and empathetic and supportive of them than you are with yourself, you know? So we got to be careful. Again, pushing ourselves to achieve big things and, and, and trying to be, you know, as good as we can be and achieve our potential, that's great. But sometimes it goes too far where it gets to the point where we're not achieving our best because we're beating ourselves up so much that we're kind of grinding ourselves down, okay? So be careful of that, especially when there's times of stress, okay? You don't always have to be going 100 miles an hour, right? You don't always have to be perfect. Sometimes life kind of gives you a message to say, you know, ease off a little bit for a little bit, okay? It doesn't have to be forever. Um, but when you're in these stressful situations, it's okay, you know what I'm telling you? So when I gained 20 pounds when my son was born, I, I didn't beat myself up at all. I knew why it had happened. Again, I, I, I knew when it was happening. I knew some of my behaviors were changing and I just didn't care at the time, but I did not beat myself up. And then when it was time to, to get myself back on track, I was able to do it. 
Okay. But I didn't, I didn't heap onto the stress that I was experiencing by giving myself more stress. Okay. So, so that is an option for you. So, um, next mode is, is kind of doing mode, um, versus being mode. Doing mode is when we're trying to get out of the gap between how life is and how we want it to be. Okay. So again, I'm not saying that you don't want to strive to make life better. Okay. I'm not saying that, but I want you to create a distinction between when you're in doing mode, because sometimes when we're in doing mode, it's, it's the foundation of it is, is, uh, not accepting where we're at because it's unpleasant. And so a lot of the stressful situations that we can think of are unpleasant. The feelings are unpleasant. And sometimes we're so, we're so busy trying to get away from those feelings, um, that we actually use up a lot more energy. And the alternative to that is, is being in a being mode. And again, this is, it's similar to the resilient thing where we're, we're bringing our attention to the here and now, you know, being present with the unpleasant feelings, being present with the stress, the, the extra responsibilities, the extra things we have to do, you know, in, in certain times in life, the extra, the fears, you know, the, the uncertainty, you know? And so sometimes, like I said, we're in this doing mode of trying to change it. And again, sometimes it's appropriate, but sometimes it can be helpful just to kind of be present with it. And um, again, what, what stops us from doing that a lot of times is fear, fear of the fear of experiencing it. Um, but but as fear typically goes, a lot of times it's the, the fear of it is worse than the reality of it. And so if you can bring your your attention into the present moment, connect to your body, you know, just be in the present moment. So often that is a place of great refuge where you can get some peace from the stress, at least for a few moments. Okay. So again, we get in this doing mode where we're trying to change the situation so hard. Um, but an alternative to that is just to be in the present moment as well. Okay. So we're not always just running away from it. And then finally is breathing. And I want to get to some crucial self-care habits in a second here, but I just want to talk a little bit extra about breathing. Um, breathing to me, I always say it's kind of like the speedometer in your car is the most important gauge there is. Your breathing is kind of like the speedometer of your body. You should really work on becoming more connected to your breathing, aware of where it's at, because your breathing will let you know where you're at, right? Um, when we exhale, our heart rate goes down. When we breathe in, it goes up, okay? By having a longer exhalation, we slow our heart rate down and we activate our parasympathetic nervous system and we create a more calming effect, okay? So um, one of the simplest breathing techniques you can use is a one, four, two breath. And basically that's a ratio. So the one is the inhale and then the four is holding it. And then the two is the exhale. And so notice what's going on there. And again, the middle one almost is irrelevant. Okay. That, so you can make that whatever's comfortable for you. Um, but the key numbers are the one and the two at the end, because the one is the inhale and you're going to exhale for twice as long. And so again, it's a ratio. So for you, and everyone's a little different based on, on their, their lung capacity, um, but for you, maybe inhaling for four seconds is, is right. It feels good. Then you would hold it for 16 seconds, and then you would exhale for eight seconds. Okay, so that's a real simple technique you can use in any situation to, again, it, it's not just, this one's not just your mind. This is literally changing the way your body is operating. It's literally activating your parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight response. Um, so again, breathing and, and again, that middle section, sometimes people want to hold their breath so long. So it's fine to do a, if it's one, four, two, or if it's one, three, two, one, two, two, again, it doesn't matter. The important thing is to exhale out twice as long as you inhale. Okay. Um, but that can instantly change your state and make you feel a lot better. Okay. So, so remember that technique. 
Okay, so some crucial self-care habits in times of stress. And again, you'll notice that these aren't really based around eating less calories, okay? This is saying, you know, when life kind of sucker punches you, let's focus on the, the core basics. And I can tell you, these are things that I maintained, again, even when I put 20 pounds on, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't fully on track, but I maintained a lot of these. And so when it was time for me to get back on track, like I always like to say the phrase, I, I still, I always kept one foot on the wagon, one foot in the wagon. Um, I didn't fall off the wagon. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I kind of, I, I kind of fell off a little bit, but my, I kept one foot in. Okay. And again, that comes back to that idea of that all or something mentality as opposed to all or nothing. And so again, when stress happens, it's hard to keep tracking calories or get ourselves to work out hard. Um, but it's not so hard to drink water. Okay. So water is probably my number one, um, water and sleep are always my number one and two self-care habits and they're, they're interchangeable really. Um, but water, what, what water is going to do is it's going to help you feel less stress in these situations. You understand? It doesn't help when we're in a stressful situation, then we're dehydrated on top of it. That just multiplies um, the, the stress, okay? So you want to keep your water habit up. And again, a rule of thumb is half your body weight in ounces is kind of an ultimate goal. Um, but again, it's always relative to where you're at. Okay, so again, sometimes when I say that half your body weight in ounces, people get stressed from that. So don't let that happen. Again, you're always meeting yourself where you're at and then pushing yourself a little bit past that, you know, in a comfortable way. But you want to make sure that you're drinking water and you're hydrating properly, okay, especially during times of stress. Uh, sleep, you know, and sometimes, you know, again, this is the one that, that might do the most good in times of stress, but at the same time, it might be one of the ones that's hardest to get. You know, sometimes stressful situations cause us to be sleep deprived. Okay. Um, so what you want to do is, again, if you can get the, the seven to eight hours of sleep at night, great. Um, if you can't, look for opportunities to nap. Okay. Napping to me, that was my big strategy. I'll tell you, when my son was born, it was really a solid year, year and a half of, of, of total exhaustion. <laughs> I would say it was a good four years of, of exhaustion, but the first year, year and a half was, was a complete and total exhaustion because again, there was redoing the house and everything. And I needed to get my energy back up. And one of the key ways I was able to do that was to take, I call them hypnotic naps, but again, just, it was a nap. And the secret I found for myself anyways, is not to take a nap for too long because then I wake up groggy. Um, but I would take, and, and what it is for me is 14 minutes. NASA says the perfect nap time is 24 minutes. Again, you have to figure out how your body responds. But taking those naps was a game changer for me. And so if you, can, if you can't get the solid hours of sleep at night, look for opportunities to take naps. Again, short naps. They can be a game changer. There's something that happens when you kind of flip off you know, into sleep even if it's just 15 minutes. And I would wake up feeling so refreshed, even if it was just a few minutes. But there was something, I always felt, metaphorically, it felt like um, like a switch on a wall. Like I felt like I turned off, and then when I turned back on, I felt a lot better. And so that th those naps went a far way towards bringing me back to normal, okay? Um, meditation, relaxation, and breathing. And again, they can be one and the same, or they can be separate depending on how much time and energy you wanna give them. But um, if you can dedicate, you know, geez, even a minute, a minute, five minutes. Again, you go to my YouTube channel, there's a one-minute meditation there. Um, even just a one-minute meditation, you know, sometimes it can feel like life's a war zone. And so being able to meditate and go inside and be quiet and peaceful and present, regardless of what's going on outside, boy, it can it can be such a, a lifesaver. You know, it can certainly feel that way, um, especially when outside is just feels so chaotic. So um, again, you can use meditation. When you meditate, typically you are relaxing your body at the same time. 
and your breathing is becoming more full, you know, and, and deeper, you know, so, so that can be so helpful. Again, all of these, these self-care habits are about bringing you up to normal in times of stress. So again, that's the key thing to remember is we don't want to put extra um, stress on us. We don't want to pile more things we have to do. Okay. Um, we're looking to do these because they make us feel better. So that's the attitude you want to approach them with. Um, walking and exercising. Okay. So again, if you have exercise and then a stressful situation comes up, maybe exercise is a way that you burn off the stress. Okay. But if you never exercise, trying to exercise in a stressful situation, start doing it will add more stress a lot of times. Um, so understand that walking, just moving your body, Again, remember, moving our body, even walking, is one of the most natural movements our body evolved to do. It has so many benefits to it. Um, maybe it doesn't burn the most calories, but again, we got to get ourselves, when we're in peak times of stress, calorie burning shouldn't be the main focus, I, I believe, okay? Um, again, it's about getting ourselves back to a normal state, you know? And um, walking and exercise can absolutely help do that, okay? And, and walking, in addition, um, being out in nature, you know, as well. If you can get yourself, again, out into the park, out into the fresh air, out into nature itself, that in and of itself has a de-stressing effect on us. Again, we evolved to live out in the natural world. So the more time we can get out there and do natural things, the better off we are. Um, and then finally is one that may sound kind of strange during times of stress, but it, if you can do it, it's one of the most powerful things you can do psychologically. And that is to express gratitude, okay? Even in the worst of situations, and I can tell you, I've done this, you know, even during, to me, the worst situations are death. You know, those have been the most painful ones in my life and the most stressful ones. Um, and it's, it's the ability to say, express gratitude during those most depressed times that, that's helped me to pull them out, you know, pull, my, pull myself out of it. Okay. So we can always express gratitude. I mean, if you're, if you're still breathing, you know, there's something you can express gratitude for. Um, you know, if there's people in your life, you know, that you still have situations, abilities, potentials that you could still reach, um, you know, the fact that you can, you know, look at a tree, <laughs> you could appreciate that again. I mean, gratitude is a funny thing. You know, you can really train yourself to be grateful for anything. And it's such a powerful state of mind. And it really, so often I've seen it cut right to the core of a lot of stressful um, mindsets. You know, so again, even in the worst of situations, even I remember reading this a long time ago, even financially, because that's another cause of big stress. And I remember reading this, and this was, geez, 20 years ago, and, and I've, I've learned it then, and I'd gone through, I've gone through extremely stressful financial times since then. But it was the idea that even if you're writing a check and it's the last $10 you have, feeling grateful that you have that $10 you can write the check for, <laughs> you know what I mean? That you could pay that bill. Um, you know, even if you have no money to write a check, I mean, at least you're still alive and you have your brain, you can figure something out. You're still here. You're going to, you know what I mean? So again, gratitude's a funny thing. And if you can get, you know, kind of create that attitude of gratitude in life, um, that in of itself is stress relieving, you know, cause there's always something you can feel grateful for. And it's interesting because you can't feel grateful and like, um, I'm thinking what's the opposite of grateful right now, but you, you can't feel as a sense of gratitude and a sense of kind of like, like blame or, you know, frustration at the same time. It's impossible. Um, you can only feel one of those at the same time. So if you start filling your, your mind and your body up with gratitude, and again, it's, it's just like a muscle, you know, you can start with little things, you know, and if you can get yourself into the habit of being grateful for little things you have in your life, that really will go a far way into being there for when you do experience times of stress. You know, um, even to the point ideally where you can literally be grateful for the stress because it's making you a stronger um, person, 
you know? So, so I hope these help you again. And, you know, it's like, we, we always want to avoid times of stress, but I just want to finish up on this, that so often what you may notice in your life is that the times of stress that we wanted to avoid the most were the, the experiences that helped us grow and evolve the most as well. You know, I've seen that over and over again in my own life and with a lot of my clients that it, it is these situations that we work so hard to avoid that really were the thing that helped us, you know, grow and evolve into a, a better version of ourselves. They made us stronger. They gave us new, um, you know, abilities and skills. Okay. So that's just one more way to kind of cognitively reframe, you know, things in life that suck <laughs> or feel like they suck. All right. So I, I hope this, I hope this helps you out. And if you're in a time of stress right now, um, also, you know, understand that this will probably pass as well. Okay. They, they typically do. Um, and, and just again, focus on taking care of yourself can get yourself back to normal, put all your energy into that. And you may find yourself again, kind of getting back to normal and being able to handle the stress better and then ultimately kind of resolving it. All right. And that's what I wish for you. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope this helped you out. If you ever want to go deeper than these techniques that we were talking about here tonight, um, feel free to go to programyourselfthin.com. And, um, you know, there's some tools there for you to get involved with. So again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, nothing tastes as good as thin and healthy feels. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Program Yourself Thin podcast with Jim Kitsoulis. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to programyourselfthin.com to sign up for free tools to help you lose weight. And remember to subscribe to get notified about upcoming episodes.